Hey everyone, welcome to Lady Overlander Radio. Tonight we're speaking with Azure O'Neill. Stay tuned. Grab your favorite drink, whether it's a coffee, cocktail, or tea, and get ready. It's Ladies Night on Lady Overlander Radio. The Lady Overlander Radio Podcast is sponsored by Frontrunner Outfitters, Midland Radio, Go Treads, Sport Keg, CB Adventure Supply, Adventure Trail Outfitters, Overland Spices, and the Moore Expo. Hey Arla, hey girl, hey. Hey girl, hey. <laughs> how you doing? I'm doing, how you doing? Good. How are you doing? A little bit, a little windy last couple days. A little crazy here. Is it hot up there? I always want to talk about the weather because it's so freaking hot down here. It's like 80. (sighs) 98. I'm at elevation. Sorry. I am not. Down the valley. (laughs) I'm not in elevation. (laughs) I want to be in elevation. I'm in my little little cabin up on the hill here. So I like it. She's she's got two and a half hours west of me. In the mountains. Sounds lovely. And there is a 18 degree swing. (laughs) Yeah. I'm happy I'm not in Florida right now. And I'm happy I'm not where you are right now. No offense. It's awful. And muggy. Yeah. Awful. Humid. Nasty. I need some cold weather. I'm ready. I know know you are. (laughs) We got a few more things to get through before the fall weather though. So what's our next uh, expo or whatever on our schedule? Her next expo is something called, hmm, what's it called? Overland Expo Mountain West. Yeah. You ever heard of that? Oh. Is there anything to that? Well, I don't know. Sounds like a great place to be. It is in Colorado. It is all in Colorado. Yeah. We're excited. So, that's the August 25th through the 27th, correct? Yes, ma'am. Yes. Let's and go. We'll be doing some ladies stuff there. Lots of classes and all kinds of cool things. So we're excited about that. Yes, indeed. And then we've got, what's next? Big Keaton Iron? Overland oh, Show. Oh, Keaton Overland Show. Yep. September 15th through the 17th. Then we have. I have her keep the schedule because I never remember. <laughs> then we have, I'm doing this by memory. That's pretty impressive for my age. I just want to throw that out there. Um, <laughs> then we have Big Iron. Uh, that's yep. at the end of. Uh, End of September, I think the 28th, 29th mm-hmm. on that one. And then we got hmm, Rendezvous. Rendezvous in the Ozarks. Yeah. Does that yeah. wrap up our se- Oh, no. No, we have East. Something called Expo. <laughs> East. Overland Expo East or something. Have you all heard of that? Yeah. That's in there, too. I think we need some pretty That's solid- in the October. It's busy from... Right meow till the end of October. Uh, Into November also. Into November. We'll talk offline about that later, but there's a whole like SEMA situation. See, this is what she does. In the works. Oh, uh, do you have time to talk? I got to talk to you. And I know when she (laughs) said that, that she has for sure booked something or did something. And she's going to ask for forgiveness later. That is the messy way. Yeah. Pretty much. That's her way. 
That's how it goes. Any hooty. Hey, Amy. Hey, Amy. Hey, girl. Hey. Hey, Teddy. Hey. Teddy and JoJo. They're in Kentucky. Yeah. Amy's here in Arkansas. She's sweating, too. She's sweating, too. I'm sure of it. She's sweating, too. Yes. But that's not Who's why we're here. Today? Who's with us today? We're not talking about Amy sweating anymore. We're talking about Azure. So pretty sweaty oh, here. So I feel it, Amy. <laughs> yeah, she's, she's feeling your pain, Amy. So why don't you take a little moment to introduce yourself to the audience and to the people watching at home and tell us a little background on you. All right, sure. Um, my name is Azure O'Neill. I um, am from Vermont, born and raised um, and grew up there. Uh, went to school in Washington, D.C., um, launched my travels, um, like extensive travels. I had kind of done the tourist thing prior, um, but in 2011, moved to Australia to kind of kick off um, some round-the-world travels and uh, came back to the U.S. Uh, for a solid stint in 2016 and began working for Overland Expo that little event that you mentioned in mm -hmm. 2017. Um, I was their uh, director of operations for a period of time, and then an opportunity opened up to become their director of educational programming. So um, I absolutely love my job. I feel so uh, fortunate that I get to say that. But when I get to work with um, incredible women like yourselves and help um, provide platforms for really just remarkable people to share their travels, their inspiration, their wisdom. Um, it's just kind of, for me, the next best thing to still being on the road full-time overlanding. So it's kind of my Absolutely. elevator pitch. Does that work? Yeah, I like it. It's good. <laughs> it's, it's really good. I like it. Um, so we had Roseanne on last week. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you were able to catch it, but she came on and talked to us about how she got the whole idea for Overland Expo and kind of founded that and about her mm -hmm. travels and experiences. And so to me, she would, would you say she was kind of like a mentor at all to you? Or did you kind of have that kind of collaborative relationship with her when she owned yeah. it? I mean, Roseanne is just a powerhouse of a human being. Um, I've been very fortunate in my career since my early 20s to work for and with just phenomenal women uh, who lead by example 100%. And Roseanne was incredible to work with. Um, I just felt so fortunate when I came back to the US after traveling, I was really felt very lost. And mm -hmm. I, you know, I think a lot of people who travel full time when they kind of get back into the real world, experience that a little bit. And Roseanne just, uh, she was like a, a lifeboat. And she was a lifeboat that happened to be like carrying the coolest event that I had ever been to. And I had been in the event industry prior to, you know, launching my travels. Um, and she was just an incredible person to work with. I loved her dedication to the community. Um, and there were a lot of things that Roseanne did behind the scenes that no one will ever know about um, that just really lifted up the community and ensured that um, people could continue traveling and, and sharing and sharing the way that they did. So yeah, I'm lots of love for Roseanne and Jonathan. Yes. Awesome people for sure. Really glad they started the expo series and I'm glad it's still going, even though they've kind of passed it along, you know, then they parted, they've kind of parted ways. They're still pretty involved. I saw them at West and 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, I think, I think we'll see them at West again, probably most likely. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I imagine it's kind of their baby, you know. Yes, yeah. they've, it, they've it's flown the coop, but um, it's still their baby, and uh, and they're such an integral part of the community. So whenever I can rope them into coming and teaching and just mm-hmm. being present, I'm. We all love having them there. It's a win. Yeah, absolutely. So tell us a little more about what's what's a day, a typical work day look like for you? What before an expo? Like mm. <laughs> <laughs> well, Do you need to grab some wine before yeah. we talk about this? <laughs> um, it's, really, it's funny. Part of the reason why I have this really attractive um, screen up behind me is that um, I part of my job is scheduling and I am like a hundred percent an analog girl. I do not like spreadsheets and spreadsheets are unfortunately like a huge part of my job. So I have a wall with the entire schedule matrix and I basically have like hundreds of tiny pieces of paper that I will move around depending on, you know, who can teach when, you know, what I think a good flow for the schedule would be, you know, the build from like, you know, introductory level classes to advanced. Um, So before shows kind of, it's just a flurry of emails, you know, both from the content creator and showcase DIY area folks, and then also um, my instructors, and just, you know, lining everything up, trying to make sure everyone has what they need, um, and making sure we can, you know, get the right people in the right places um, when we have gaps in the schedule, whether it's, you know, for example, mapping. I just had someone um, have to cancel because of a vehicle issue. Um, So just kind of, you know, trying to find someone to pinch hit and teach a class about like Gaia and Onyx and stuff like that. So it's kind of, I would say the most typical day of leading up to, and then, you know, when we're in off season, if I can not be attached to my computer for a chunk of the day, I love that. But um, living in Florida, I try to start off with paddle boarding in the morning before hitting those emails and then Ooh. a walk at night because it is pretty nice here. But when I'm traveling, I kind of just always have a laptop and a phone with me and we'll just have a little mobile office on the go and make that work. And then there's not really a day in the life look. But. Well, I, I saw you at West and Mountain and I'm sorry, Pacific Northwest. And I saw you here and there and mm-hmm. on a golf cart over here and then talking to somebody over there. And you look like you probably burn like 6,000 calories a day there. You know, I have no idea how many calories I burn <laughs> at PNW. I just think there was like no chance of burning anything because I couldn't move more quickly than a sloth there. It was so hot. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a lot of fun. And there's, you know, I think one of the things about Overland Expo that I have a love-hate relationship with is is just the FOMO because it's like I had an incredible conversation with um, just a really interesting gentleman um, who is one of our exhibitors, but just has an incredible travel resume. And I was chatting with him for like a half an hour. And I was just like, I, I don't think I've done this at an Overland Expo in <laughs> years. But it was just one of those things where everything was calm and quiet and I could do it. But I realized that in chatting with him, I missed the opportunity to like catch the last five minute, minutes of a class I wanted to, to check in on. So, just, you know, you got to kind of be you know, all over the place, but it's everywhere at once. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. Wow. So then when Expo East is over in October, when do you, how, uh, when do you have to start gearing up for West again? Cause West is the first event of the year now. So, and that's the big yeah. boy. 
Yeah. So we pretty much, um, we pretty much immediately start gearing up. Uh, okay. I figured. The, yeah. The thing with Overland Expo is we're all pretty a type and we are all a little bit obsessed with perfection and that's impossible in the event industry. And we all recognize that, mm -hmm. but we'll basically start planning for the next year before East even wraps. Um, oh, wow. this year I get a little tiny bit of a buy, uh, because Eva Rupert, Rupert and I are participating in the rebel. Um, so I know I'm so excited. Jealous. <laughs> I'm, I'm super pumped. We are super pumped. Um, but, uh, I'll probably have to miss the last day of East and, and fly out for that and then go dark. And, uh, hopefully they'll give me a couple of days to recover, uh, once I come <laughs> back, but we'll definitely be we start launching ticket sales and um, there are a lot of things that, that go with that that have to be kind of put in place beforehand. So we really try to dial in, you know, the feedback that we get from all of those surveys that everyone so kindly fills out um, to let us know where we can improve and what they liked. So we'll, we'll incorporate that, you know, kind of starting as, as soon as we can for some things, but um, definitely in September, October, we're already planning for 2024. Nice. So, Eva Rupert, who's going to be the driver? Eva. So, so you're Nav, huh? And I'm Nav. So yeah. we're <laughs> we're cross training because we both feel like it's. I think we'll be better teammates to one another um, if we have a good idea of what the other is is handling and capable of. Um, and it's also just always nice to be able to, I think, double check. Um, you know, certainly on the navigation side, but also, you know, if I'm um, if I'm you know trying to direct her around some, some gnarly train, it'll be helpful for me to kind of have a good understanding. So we've been cross training um, for the past few months and it's been going well, but very, very excited. We're definitely the most nervous about the navigation part. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't blame you. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. What no. team number are you? 142. 142. 142. I like it. Yeah. Awesome. Very cool. Yeah, uh, we, we haven't finalized our team name yet. We are going to go with two wheels too many because we're both motorcyclists mm -hmm. who are like, awesome. not, you know, used to having four wheels. Uh, but then we're, someone was like, oh, that kind of sounds negative. And we're like, oh gosh, we didn't even like look at it that way. But so we're, uh, we're still working on it, but. Oh, I liked it. I liked it. You should explain <laughs> that one. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. We're really excited. We have um, an awesome colleague who is um, supporting us and letting us uh, take his Land Cruiser. So we, uh, yes. his daughter names all of his vehicles. Um, and so we were kind of like, all right, well, if she gives this, this truck a really cool name, then we might have to be whatever that team is. So we'll see. <laughs> Ooh, okay. Awesome. We'll have to stay tuned to find out what the name ends up being. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Thanks. So right. mentally, that's going to be... A long, a lot of long days, a lot of yes. yeah. whew, little sleep yeah. that, that worry you at all. Or are you good? Um, I think what worries me the most is, um, is going straight to that after an East. Cause usually yeah. by the time we come to East, um, it's, we're just pretty tapped. I mean, you know how big Overland Expos are. Um, I am most, I'm an ambivert. So by the end of like an Overland Expo, I usually need a day or two to recover. Mm -hmm. um, fortunately, like Eva and I, we get one another really well. So she she understands that I'll probably need like a day or two of, of you know, low, low activity. But no, I'm kind of I'm not I'm I think the long days are just part and parcel. Um, 
we did one of the Rebellu trainings and I think they gave us like five navigation points and we were finished by like three in the afternoon, but by one o'clock, Eva and I were brain dead. Like I couldn't <laughs> have been asked to add two and two. Like I was like, this is I, and we're going to get like what, 18 or 20 waypoints some days. I'm like, this is going to be pretty full on. So we're definitely, we definitely know that it's going to be extreme um, and, and type two fun, but we're looking forward to that. And uh, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, we'll definitely track you guys and provide updates on our, all of our social media and where you guys yeah. are at. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Well, there's several ladies that are competing this year. Yeah. Yeah. I think it'll be a, a great crew. We're, we're excited. So we're kind of yeah. like our, our goals so far <laughs> after that, you know, that rebellion day, we were like, okay, before noon, we want to do the best we can do. If we can, you know, hit some blues and blacks, that'll be great. But afternoon, we just want to hit the greens and not die in the desert. Like that's, <laughs> that's a great plan. <laughs> yeah. Not dying in the desert is yeah. always a good plan. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so. yeah. Wow. Those are our goals. And to be good teammates to one another and everyone else, of course. Not kill each other. Yeah. Yeah. You know, have the right kind yeah. of snacks in the car so you don't kill each other about snacks. Yeah. We are, we are definitely all over the snack game. Yeah. I have to say, like. Snackle box. The snackle box. Yes. Yeah. I have to say, like, the women who we've both spoken with, who some of were competing, like, this year um, and previous competitors have just been incredible in terms of just support and encouragement. And that has been really awesome to see, you know, it's definitely, I understand it's a competition, but it hasn't, and I know it'll feel like that certainly. And I'm sure there will be moments where it's pretty full on in that regard. Uh, but it, it hasn't like felt like that. It's felt really collaborative, which has been very cool. So. Nice. I think it's, I think it's great that I, I mean, we've talked to many past rebels, current rebels, you know, Future ones are doing it for the first yeah. time. Yeah. And everybody seems very uh, willing to, you know, kind I'll of impart nice. wisdom if they can and mm -hmm. collaborate and just talk through things. So, I mean, I think it's a pretty, pretty great event. We were supposed to do it this year, but we had to withdraw. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah. we're very excited for everybody else that is doing it. We're rooting for all of you and we'll be mm -hmm. watching it closely because we'll be having, you know, envy a little envy Aww. might be well, crying on the sideline okay. yeah we might be sitting on arla's couch just following it on our phones eating popcorn or something being sad well i'll look forward to cheering you guys on <laughs> when you're out there and who knows if we you know don't die in the desert and um oh, God. <laughs> our friend mark farage is uh, keen to help us out again with his truck and everything else maybe maybe we'll be able to compete out there with you and i don't know Dig you out of the sand or, or vice versa. <laughs> yeah. Up. yeah. We don't want to die in the desert either, but yeah. And Arla definitely needs snacks. That's a big thing for her. Yeah. So yeah. Yep. You That's, why I snacks. That's not a joke. <laughs> no. She's like, how are we going to sleep and where are we going to have snacks? And I'm yeah. like, okay, What's those are your snack priorities. Let's got talk it. about that. <laughs> yeah. I totally got uh, it. I'll figure, the rest I'll figure it out. It's good to go. I was going to drive. She's going to navigate. Okay. That's the plan. Yeah. So if that's the case, then you also need to be prepared to feed Arla, right? The snacks. Yes. Like that's yeah, she might my, bite my fingers. Yeah. <laughs> a, little, a little worried if she gets hangry. Get angry. It's not good. 
I know. I'm, She's I hear an, you. I'm an assertive driver without hunger. So, yeah. Mm, no. <laughs> Maybe some of those goo packs that might be good in a pinch. Yeah. You can just like kind of squirt it. Squirt it at <laughs> her. Yeah. Down over there. Yeah. 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 Great. Don't bite me. Anyway. <laughs> no, we, we may do it. We, we still, uh, it's still in the back of both of our minds. We're, we're throwing it around. So. Right. Yep. It's a, you know, you, as you know, it's a big commitment. It's a lot of money and it's, you know, yeah. I think the thing that we're both worried about is working on both of us are working on getting ourselves into better, a little bit better health. Mm. Um, so then that's one of the reasons why we had to withdraw. So we had some health things, mm. both of us that we had to kind of rein in because we ain't little spring chickens anymore. So we all. Well, I'm sorry to hear that, but it is definitely, I mean, I, when I was reading through, you know, the rule book and, and that's some a guidelines, lot. it was like, oh, that's, yeah. It's yeah. a lot. So, yeah. That's a I'd hate to get all the way there and then not even remotely be able to handle it because of things that are kind of out of our control. So, oh, yeah. But we are, we love the rebel. We love all the rebels and mm -hmm. we will definitely be supporting for sure because you guys are awesome. Cool. Thank you. Yeah. And I hope your circumstances allow you guys to compete in the future. That would be great. Yep. But uh, let's talk a little bit about we, before we came came on live, we were taught you were telling us a little bit about how you used to be into wine and wine making and things like that. So why don't you tell the audience about your winemaking background? Because that's oh, pretty cool. Yeah. Sure. Okay. Um, so when I was in my 20s after I graduated from school in Washington, D.C. I was working there for a few years and I always had a side hustle. I worked um, in the restaurant industry for a while and then um, I started pouring wine at these incredible tasting events uh, that this uh, gentleman in D.C. who was like the go-to guy um, for all of the embassies, like all of the big swanky government parties, all of the private fundraisers, um, he was like the guy people got the wine from. And he really loved supporting young career women. Um, and I know that sounds a little creepy, but he was probably one of <laughs> I was like, the most, like, I know, <laughs> he was probably one of the most like ardent feminists I've ever met and just a really lovely awesome. human being. And, and he became a mentor for me. And I began working more exclusively with him than this like huge group of girls. Um, yeah. But he would, you know, we would do these events. He would send us home with bottles of wine that were partially open for us to finish, usually like mm -hmm. one or two bottles that were still full. And, you know, I was in my mid twenties at that point. So like my wine budget was low, the lower shelves at Whole Foods, you know, yeah. so it was like, <laughs> These were already amazing experiences. And then he would also take us out for dinner afterwards and would open, you know, a five, six, $800 bottle of wine at dinner. So it was just these incredible experiences that just opened my eyes to just that part of the wine industry that I'd never been, you know, familiar with. And after about a year of working with him, he sat me down one day after we did an event and he was like, you don't really seem like you're the DC type. Mm -hmm. And... So, you know, what do you want to do? And at that point, I'd already been applying for jobs, you know, abroad because I just wanted to travel. I wanted to get out of D.C. Um, you know, I loved the city and I loved my friends there, but I just saw a lot of them making decisions that were making them less happy. Sorry. A little funner. Yeah. And uh, it was just kind of like, OK, I want to do something different. And just nothing had panned out. And he asked me, um, you know, 
if I had ever thought about making wine. And I was like, nope. I went to school for anthropology and psychology. And he was like, well, what do you think about working a wine harvest in Australia? I have a friend who'd probably hire you. And I was like, okay. So he sends an email like that that day to um, a guy named Matt Wenk, who at that time was one of the best winemakers in Australia, and uh, asked if he had any room and if his harvest crew, um, you know, in 2011, this was late 2010. And two days later, I had a confirmed position um, on the harvest awesome. crew for Two Hands Wines, uh, which is, you know, remains one of my favorite producers to this day. And uh, within two months, I had packed up my life in D.C. and I was on a plane to Australia and had no idea what it meant to wake, make wine, <laughs> but learned very quickly. And uh, it was at that point um, the hardest I'd ever worked and probably still to this day, other than a few overland expos, um, it's the hardest I've ever worked. And uh, but it's just a miracle. Make, you know, the, the process of making wine is incredible. And I loved almost every minute of it, even the minutes where there were big spiders and snakes and whatnot. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm out. Yeah, no, it wasn't not super fun. Um, I had like, <laughs> the, like first day on the job, you know, part, a big part of making wine is cleaning. And we were, uh, you know, washing everything down with hoses and um, power washing everything. And this French you know, guy comes up to me, one of my, my coworkers, we'd known one another for like a day at that point, And he didn't speak any English. And he just comes up to me and he goes, oh, oh, and he was pointing at my forehead and just trying oh. to say something and oh, I no. like this and a white tip spider like drops to the floor and white tips, if they bite you, like either you get super lucky and nothing happens. Option two is you're like in the worst pain of your life for days. And option three is necrosis of the skin. So <laughs> like, that's super good. I'm work on the job, and I'm like, got oh my god, my face. But anyway, but I'm I, sorry. I'm gonna leave. I'm gonna. I'm gonna need to give my notice. I, this yeah. isn't for me. Yeah. Sorry. I'm it was gnarly. Wow. But, um, despite oh. that, I fell in love with it, and um, I wound up getting, um, you know, deciding that I wanted to stay in Australia and not return to Washington, D.C. Um, I, yeah, very good call. I'm very happy with that call. Um, I bought a Toyota Camry from um, one of my coworkers uh, at the winery. And after we finished harvest, I just decided I was going to drive around Australia. And at that point, you know, I think we all called it car camping, but I mean, car camping and overlanding at this point are, are pretty close. <laughs> and uh, it's always, you know, whenever we're at an overland expo and people are you know, waxing poetic about how you have to have, you know, oh, X gosh. car with yeah. X capability. I'm like, mm-mm. <laughs> you, you do not. <laughs> I did Gib River Road in Australia with a Toyota Camry and in a mini skirt, which was a questionable decision, probably more so. You're a baddie. You're a baddie. You know, um, but anyway, so but that was great. And that really like launched my travels. Um, and as I was on my way around Australia, I also scuba dive and stopped at a dive site um, and met uh, the guy who I traveled with for many years after that. So it wound up being a wonderful experience. And um, I looped back to work in many wineries after that. And it really provided me a way to um, continue working while I was traveling. So I basically traveled from wine region to wine region um, for the following six years, really. Gosh, that sounds terrible. It was, 
I don't know how you survive. <laughs> so sorry. Yeah. I will tell you the <laughs> biggest problem was that it's really difficult to fit a case of wine on a motorcycle. Uh, <laughs> you figured it out, didn't you? Yes. Yes. I also so figured you out really need that many clothes. I mean, no. exactly. water. No. Overrated. Motorcycle parts. That was when it was like, uh, spare part, spare yeah. tube. Okay. Extra but, uh, set of clothes. Nah. 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 All that other stuff can just be gone. <laughs> wine has to make it. Mm -hmm. So I have a picture here. Let's see here. Oh, let's see. Tell us what is going on in this picture here. Oh. Yes. So um, this is this is kind of a, a longer story, but it's one of my favorite Ooh. photos because of the story. So I'll just buckle you down for, for that. I'll keep it as short as I can. But um, one of the things that I learned while traveling uh, was that to like pay attention to flow. And there's, you know, psychologists will talk about flow state. I never really bought into it until it started happening to me. And I started understanding, okay, like when I'm paying attention to things and there are little signs, I need to pay closer attention. Uh -huh. And what I mean by that is like, if things seem to be going wrong or things just aren't working out, it's kind of like, there's a reason why. And just maybe, maybe just chill, take a step back, relax. And this is a lesson I learned over and over and over in my travels. I learned it in a couple of ways that were really hard and painful. Um, but in this circumstance, um, we were traveling in the Guajira Peninsula of Colombia. Uh, it is in like the southeast kind of corner of the country. Okay. And they don't really speak Spanish. They speak, um, God, what is it called? Ooh. I'm not even going to botch it, but they speak like basically like a very different dialect. So it was not really possible to communicate with them, which for me felt very strange because I had, I was pretty fluent in Spanish by that point and could communicate freely. Um, but we wanted to get out to this really beautiful point to camp for sunset. Mm -hmm. And it was really hot riding. I mean, hot desert riding. And we, I always wanted to be in full gear, um, so it was just melting. It was like riding in an oven. Uh -huh. And uh, the Wahira people didn't really believe in maintaining their motorcycles, it seemed. And so we just kept encountering like broken down motorcycle after broken down motorcycle. And most of the transportation there was like tiny motorcycles because that's all they could afford. Uh -huh. um, and, you know, we stopped and helped everyone we came across. And if it was a family, we gave them, you know, some of our water. Um, my ex fixed like several motorcycle chains that were broken, um, you know, fixed a couple of tires. And the thing that kept kind of bothering me was like, even if you don't speak someone's language, you can show gratitude in some way. And these people were very proud. And there was like no there was no like element of gratitude. And I started to get really annoyed because I'm like, we're going to miss sunset at this place that we're going to camp. And um, we were riding down this road finally. And it was going to be like the last like two hours of our ride that day. And it was washboard. So, you know, we had to go we had to oh, keep yeah. up, like over like 60 clicks. Right. So that we weren't vibrating our teeth loose. And we see these guys with, you know, a motorcycle clearly has a flat tire <laughs> They have goats that they're bringing to slaughter and the goats are like tucked into these bushes and we had a helmet comm system and you know where i just said it and i'm like oh 
I know we're going to stop for them, but I'm like really like over this thing where these guys are just like not grateful at all. And I'm like, this is so annoying. And, you know, I'm like griping about this as we're coming and turning around and going back to them. And so we stop and we're stopped for no more than 30 seconds. And my front tire just goes. Oh. <laughs> and I was just like, Okay. Holy, if that had happened going 60 kilometers an hour, we were in the middle of freaking nowhere. I mean, we were easily a three hour ride in a vehicle to the nearest hospital. Like mm-hmm. it would have been really bad. And so it was that moment where I was just like, okay, you gotta, like, you have to mentally click this switch mm-hmm. off and, and just be so grateful that this was how things went today and that these guys were stopped and needed help because if you didn't turn around to help them and maybe if you didn't stop with all these other people. So that's that story. And so it wound up being really cool because, um, you know, these men who typically just wouldn't even look at me and would definitely not show any gratitude were not only like super grateful, but they taught us how they changed their tires and fixed flats. And, and we showed them how we did ours and we, you know, they gave them some patches and other stuff, but it wound up being a really cool experience. And we, of course, fixed their tire first. And we just thought, well, they've got goats to get to slaughter, like they're going to take off. But they didn't. They like stayed and like helped me like change my tire. And uh, it was just a really cool cultural experience. And just it's one of my favorite photos. That's not the greatest photo, but that's what it represents is kind of just that, you know, that flow state of like, okay, if things aren't going right, pay attention sometimes because, you know, they could go a lot worse. <laughs> Somebody or something is trying to tell you something. Slow yeah. down. Just, yeah. Yeah. It tells oh, a great yeah. story. That picture tells a great story. It is. It does. Thanks. And have you, I've, I've noticed, so it's been probably 20 years since I've been to Columbia, but I did notice there's big cultural difference there um, with the way that females are treated I know in a lot of other countries, you know, I'm sure you've seen that throughout your travels throughout the globe that, you mm-hmm. know, they're not always treated as equals. They're not always regarded, you know, in a yeah. better light. So ha- what's, have you had any yeah. other experiences similar to that or like something where? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think more broadly in Colombia, like at checkpoints and things like that, like I always felt really highly respected by the police and military um, who were running checkpoints. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, for me in any country, I was always kind of like, okay, what's this going to be like? And I would say the majority for, you know, for the most part, um, there was a lot of respect from men, um, which I really appreciated. Um, Funny enough, it was female border agents sometimes who were like a little bit different. Sassy, Yeah. yeah. Yeah, kind of, and especially in Canada, which was really funny to me, but um, (laughs) (laughs) I was like, really? Um, But there were, yeah, there were definitely some countries like Panama being one of them. um, And then there were some parts of like Chile and Argentina where um, it was difficult to deal with men. Um, Bolivia, but Bolivia is kind of just it can be difficult for American travelers in general. Um, I know some people who it's like their favorite country and they had no issues. And then other people are like, I, I hate Bolivia, but I will, you know, I suffered through because it's just such a beautiful country. Um, but Bolivia was, was tough. But when you're the only 
person in your group who speaks their language and you happen to be female, it works out well a lot of the time. But kind of changes the playing field a little bit there. Yeah. yeah. So if like if there were border agents who didn't want to talk to me, I was like, well, good luck with them. Yeah. <laughs> <go> really far. <laughs> <laughs> I can speak Spanish. They can't. Yeah. Ha -ha. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they wouldn't even understand that you're asking for a bribe. So I don't know. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I've heard that's kind of standard, standard practice. Is that true? Or is that just a nasty rumor? Oh, the bribe, the bribe thing? thing? Yeah. You know, I think it just depends. I think it's, it's how you're traveling and how, and what you do. So, I think that in any given country, I think 99.9% .9 of people are good mm -hmm. and want you to have a good opinion of their country and want you to have a good time. Mm -hmm. And so for me, one of the things that, you know, I do when I'm traveling is I just talk to locals constantly. And even if I don't speak the language, I'll pull out a map at a gas station and like point to roads and be like, you know, where, where do you recommend going here? Because sometimes they'll tell you, you know, the checkpoint on this road, don't go there. Checkpoint on this road is fine. Or don't go to this checkpoint after five o'clock at night. Or, you know, whatever it is. You should never travel at night anyway. But um, so talking with locals really worked. But it's also having time. You know, at all border border crossings that um, that we would do, we would go first thing in the morning to cross. And the only time where I had a border agent ask for a bribe, we were, it was later in the afternoon. And, um, and, you know, at that point, they, they know you want to get across and they know you're on limited time because, you know, they close, you know, the other part of the border closes, what, you know, they're, they, they're like, you're in our net now, you know, we've caught you. Um, so in that circumstance, it's just flexibility. And I basically, you know, told the guy, I was like, and we, it was true. We didn't actually have any money to give him because we had changed back all of our money. Mm -hmm. um, but I was like, we, we don't have anything to give you. And I said, if we have to wait until tomorrow morning, we can do that. And he kept wanting to talk to the men and bringing them in to try to get them to pay a bribe. And I just kept telling yeah. him not. And so I said, listen, we're not paying your bribe unless you're going to stamp our passports right now, I said, I'm going to pull out my tent and pitch it in front of your office because that grass is really nice and flat. <laughs> and he went like this and he kept our passports. And so I said, okay. And I walked outside, I started pulling the camping equipment off of my bike and I had only spread our tarp. <laughs> he came running out and threw the passports at us and that was it. So love it. Well, you know, wow. but it's, it's flexibility and patience. And it's kind of like if you put yourself in a position where you can't be flexible or patient, then then you can expect there might be a situation like that. And then there were a couple of other times where, um, you know, there were situations where um, people were trying to get a bribe and um it was another one of those flow situations and one of the circumstances because it would have been really scary. I think if we hadn't run across uh, a guy we had traveled with who like we had taken a bunch of wrong turns, he got stuck at this, you know, not a checkpoint. It was a rural village in Guatemala um, with locals blocking the road. Um, but we encountered him like right when we turned on that road and he was about to go the other direction. Mm -hmm. And he warned us about it, but they had, you know, machetes and axes and a rope and 
they were, it was a little scary, Crazy. Um, but you know, we kind of knew what they wanted. And, and again, we didn't pay the bribe. Um, for me, that's one of the big things with, with travel is I just, if you pay that bribe, you're making it like 10 times worse for the traveler. For everybody else. Yeah. So sure. um, we just waited and waited and we were like, we don't have money. We don't have any money. You know, we gave them um, granola bars figured in case they got hungry like you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, we gave them granola bars. But and, I knew with Arla. Um, <laughs> it works. Yeah. It when was. she has her machete out, I give her a granola bar. Hot. 100%. Everybody knows that. Oh, yeah. Feed me and we're good. You must not know about her. You must not know about me. <laughs> At all. This is good to know for Mountain West. Next, <laughs> let let me just go say. My way. Let me get just say without going into detail, it was a good thing Arla wasn't at PNW. Because she wouldn't have been as nice as. No, ma'am. Us, us other ladies. Yeah. Mm -mm. My husband likes to say that my middle name should have been Frank. Because <laughs> mm -hmm. you Frank, all right. Mm hmm. <laughs> That's awesome. That's also really good to know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, I got you. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Sweet. Yeah. Uh, hopefully we hopefully everyone behaves <laughs> for snacks, of course. They will. For snacks. Yeah. Yeah. I think everybody will behave. I, I hope. So I think it's a good crew. So we're gonna have a good time. It will yes. <laughs> It'll be good. It'll be fun. And please don't be hot. Please don't be hot. I went two years ago and it was so hot. You know, oh, I'm really well. hoping we get a break, especially after I'm like, we paid our dues at PNW. Can we just have like it was horrible? A little bit it of wasn't yeah, it wasn't terrible under the tents, like some of them, depending on which direction they were. But when you were out in that sun, it was just like, wow. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. But I I do have to say so far, that's my favorite venue. We I all love, love the it. way that's laid out. Yeah. yeah. I like we all one. love it. And it's like everyone loves it. I mean, it's like for a second year event. Mm -hmm. I mean, we were all just kind of blown away. Yeah. It's performing really well. So. Yeah, it was good. And like, I don't know, Pacific Northwest, it's just like the community is great up there. You know, people want to travel to that area and, mm -hmm. you know, spend a week or two before or after the event, just kind of bopping around. So we all love it too. So I yeah. think we're going to hopefully have better weather next year. See what we can do. Yeah, it wasn't terrible. It was nice at night. It was really yeah. nice at night. So. It was nice at night. And those sunsets went on for Ever. Oh, yeah. Those were beautiful. Yeah. So I heard it gets a little dusty at Mountain West sometimes. Yeah, but not where you guys will be. Oh, good. <laughs> Yay. Problem solved. Yeah, problem solved. You guys are going to be in the, the like plushest, most beautiful grassy area at the venue. It's kind of mm -hmm. this sweet little bowl spot. Um, and it's just lovely. Like, I love the showcase DIY creator area at at Mountain West because it's it's just where it should be. It's kind of the middle of the show. It's right next to the Oasis. So it's kind of that like happy hour vibe at night spills out into the showcase DIY area. And you can just, you know, grab your beverages and mm -hmm. chill and just, you know, kind of yeah. be able to be part of the music and, and you know, happy hour vibe or go back and still enjoy the music from your, you know, your your site. So it's pretty cool. And I'm really pumped for the education um, and the programming that you guys are bringing. I think it's going to be awesome. We're when very you excited. Want this, you know, and it's, 
it's cool to be able to offer this, but it's also we're now seeing with some of our newer events like, um, you know, Mountain West and PNW, where there are just more women getting involved. You know, mm -hmm. I think there are a lot of um, spouses who are coming, um, you know, mm -hmm. who maybe weren't interested in the past or just figured out like there aren't going to be very many women there. There's not going to be anything for me to do. Um, so it's really cool. And it's been awesome for me to, you know, we, as you know, we were acquired um, by like a large event organization earlier this year. And it's been really cool to have their support with developing women's, you know, female specific programming. So really excited about that too. And it'll just be good to yeah. Yeah. Beef we'll it have up, some space. It'll be awesome. It'll be yeah. really cool. We'll have some stuff going on where we're going to be. And then you'll have some other things throughout the expo with mm -hmm. other women doing different things. And I just think that's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. I love it. Yeah, me too. It's great. And it's just, I think when you can just break down barriers for people and show them how accessible this lifestyle is how accessible you know going out for if, if it's like a first camping trip i mean there was wow. there's a woman who came a few years ago um and i think it was her first camping trip was to overland expo with her husband and their daughter and she came to like all the female specific classes we had a bunch of um self-defense classes that they both attended and some kind of like situational awareness classes that you know specifically were focused on you know overlanding and and kind of personal safety for for women with that and um they loved it and now they're like coming back and they reached out about teaching so i'm just like this is fabulous Great. and this is how this is how we create that ripple effect and mm -hmm. strengthen yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah so would you say the majority of your attendees for each expo are primarily new to overlanding in general or do you think that that a large portion of them are or? Yeah, we're seeing um, a significant portion of them are very new to overlanding. So um, it it depends on the event, but I like one of our events, it's up, it's almost like 80%. Um, wow. So it's kind of funny because on, in one way, we we're talking about it and we we're like, gosh, like, like what happened to, you know, our solid crew of people who are like not new to the community. And then it was like, oh, wait like there were 30,000 people at Overland Expo West, like the the 20% who aren't new to overlanding, it's still a very large number of yeah. people. So it's <laughs> like, it's just the, you know, this overlanding since the pandemic has just been something that I think has clicked for people. Um, and, you know, Misty, like with what you've, you know, experienced with your husband, there are just so many ways now to uh -huh. make it work. And, you know, one of the things I love, so we have, you're teaching um, the road schooling course. We also have um, the Hart family teaching um, world schooling Yay. class. Love them. I love them. And it's just like, it's showing people like you can do this differently. Like mm -hmm. there are ways to do it. And Arla, I know you're teaching about, you know, traveling with pets. Mm -hmm. And it's like, there are so many things that people create as, are allowed to be barriers when it comes to like, you know, following their dreams or taking a little adventure. Like I can't because of my pet or I can't because, you know, my kid has school. And it's just like when we show people that there's a different way and and it's people who are actually doing the different way are the ones doing the showing and the sharing and the inspiring. It just it just creates so many possibilities for for folks. So 
just absolutely. Fun. It's going to be so awesome. Nice. I'm really, really excited about the education stuff we're going to be doing. Yeah, me too. Speaking of pets, so yeah. the hot topic on, I don't know if you're still in the Pan American Facebook groups or whatever, but apparently Nicaragua has like banned people from bringing their pets in from Costa Rica or something. And now people are trying to figure out how to get oh God. around and what to do. And I was like, wow, that's something I didn't even, we don't, we don't travel with pets, but that's something that I was like, whoa, that would be. Oh, I hadn't heard that. Um, I'll have to yeah. look into that though. Oh, I guess that like three weeks ago. Yeah. That they had some kind of, I think there's some kind of um, parasite or bug or something that the, the animals are getting in there. Yeah, so they like mm -hmm. cut it all off, but people are freaking out because they're like, okay, I was supposed to be out of this country and in this country now, and I've got pets. What yeah, do I do? Shoot. So yeah, that's just something to be aware of that. Oof. That's yeah. tough. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. That's one of those. Yeah, that's a really hard one. I mean, I know people who planned multi-year trips based around where they could and couldn't take their, their dogs. So I can just imagine how devastating that has to be, especially if you're already en route and you're, you know, in Southern Mexico getting ready to fully launch, but ugh. yeah, well, shoot. Thank you for letting me know. Yeah. So I don't know if you know anybody that's currently traveling through Central America, but something, uh, something to keep in mind yeah. for all of our listeners as well. If you're, yeah anticipating traveling through there so mm -hmm. yeah I just was very surprised I was like wow I didn't even that didn't even like I knew that some places you know you have to quarantine a pet sometimes right. for a while but just a straight yeah. up ban I, I was surprised by that that's wild I wonder how long it'll stay in place for but I'm not sure that's pretty rough yeah gosh got to be able to adapt though right so you have to ever-changing Ever you have to be able to adapt. Sometimes part of adapting is smuggling, but yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> I said what I said. Yeah. I won't go into that story. There is a story about that on there where the woman apparently got beaten because she tried to smuggle her pet, but we can, I digress. Oh, yeah. Wow. So, all right. Maybe, I, never I don't mind, think then. that we're going to publicly recommend that. <laughs> no. Gosh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's I don't know. You know, that was just what somebody had written on there. So who knows how accurate that is, but wild. Yeah. Gosh. Okay. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, yeah. No, no pets for me. Noted. I'm good. Pet free. Yeah. Right now. I love pets. I love animals very much. I got to hug on a whole bunch of kitty cats and puppy dogs at a friend's house last night, but I'm good. Uh -huh. yeah. <laughs> it, it just brings a whole new dynamic to travel, especially, you know, if you're traveling full time or you're traveling solo and yeah. You know, you have to have somewhere to put an animal if they're not allowed inside a business or yeah. just, you know, I'm not saying don't do it. I'm just saying there's a lot of things that people have to think about. There are. I really, you know, I and it's also, you know, with budgeting and mm -hmm. whatnot. I mean, that's also, you know, vet bills, fortunately, in most countries are are not like they are here, but it is mm -hmm. definitely something, um, you know, that that's a consideration for people and. I don't know. It's pretty tough. Um, yeah. More and more people are doing it, but, mm -hmm. but I do wonder if that more and more people doing it will lead to more and more border closures or not border closures, but you know, restrictions like that. So. And it's not just dogs that, I mean, I know people that travel with their cats. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
you know, they, they bring them as well. I mean, there's, there's all kinds of things. Yeah. 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 So that's something you may want to add to your, uh, to your little spiel, Arla, is just being aware of going on these different countries, what countries websites will and seeing if they have any kind of current, you know, ban, ban on bringing pets into the country. Mm-hmm. So oh, yeah. something that I wouldn't even have really thought about until I just read that the other day. I was Me like, either, oh. actually, that's, that's really interesting. Yeah. yeah. Always learning. There's Always. so much and it's ever changing. I mean, it's, that's one of the things we often struggle with, with like our roundtable discussions is like, okay, who can we find who has like recent experience and, you know, can talk about things. And then it's like, all right, mm-hmm. I have to start looking everything up and making sure it's all current. But fortunately, mm-hmm. most of the things we discuss on roundtables are pretty, pretty high level because it's not even worth drilling down into how many copies of, you know, X document are needed to mm-hmm. pass Y border and all that mm-hmm. stuff. That's what, I overlanders for so oh yeah and i i've been told that i overlander is much more of a resource people rely on like in latin america than than kind of in the u.s you know mm-hmm. in the u.s there's all kinds of like oh this wild camping is at a walmart this wild camping is you know <laughs> but you know down in south america especially i've heard that it's it's been a valuable resource for a lot of people so yeah it's um it's pretty huge it's really, it was when we were traveling, it was still kind of catching on, but it was mm-hmm. still, you know, you'd go to a border crossing and there would be like three or four entries that, you know, someone, you know, a few people had put and they, you know, the most up-to-date one was typically pretty helpful. Uh, but it was funny. I recently went back to Colombia, and I was like, oh, I want to figure out where I stayed while I was here. And when I was there, there was like hardly anything in Cartagena. Like there was like hardly, you know, a single pinpoint, you know. Oh, wow. And uh, I opened it up and I was like, oh my gosh, it's like, I'm like zooming in and zooming in and it was flooded. And it's really incredible to see just, yeah, what a resource it's become for people, but it's also, there's so much now. Um, So, but it's, it was great. I mean, it definitely saved the day. We had an issue, we had a mechanical issue going into Medellin. And uh, like checked I Overlander from outside of the city, um, found a hotel that someone said had like a safe garage to park in and literally coasted down this hill, <laughs> like into this like garage of this um, garage <laughs> of this hotel. So it was definitely, it's been a lifesaver and, and maybe not a lifesaver, but really helpful and quite a few. A great resource. Yeah. Great resource. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Are there any other um, apps or websites or anything that you would recommend to international travelers? Yeah, I mean, it depends on like what you're doing, you know, park for night can be really good depending on the country. But I Mm -hmm. think the thing that people really have to be aware of with whatever app is just making sure that you actually read the reviews. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I remember... I don't know if it was I Overland or Park for Night, but um, found a spot, didn't have great connectivity. And so I was like, I'm just going to go there because like it, you know, was highly rated or whatever and um, pulled up to this spot. And this farmer came like running out of his house, waving his arms and was like, you know, we were going still down the road 
a pretty decent way. And I was kind of like, well, that's weird. And then got service and looked. And the most recent review was like, you know, this is actually private property. And the farmer just changed his mind about it being okay for people to camp here. Like, don't, don't even come down the road. And I was like, oh, whoopsie. Yeah. Yeah. So reading those reviews is really important, regardless of which app you're using. It's, um, you know, crowd, crowdsourcing is, is a super um, awesome way to help one another in this community, Mm -hmm. but it's only as good as, as the information people are feeding back into it and, and making sure that you're responsibly taking that information and following it. Absolutely. I like the little caveat. They always say, I overlander cannot verify whether this is uh, yeah. camping is authorized here or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. That's, you got to kind of, I still, you know, in the U S especially, I look for public land only, you know, just to be on the safe side. So. Yeah, I, I agree. We're so fortunate here too. I mean, they're just, we're spoiled for options unless you're on the East coast and then it's a little bit more difficult, but yeah. Yeah. It's, it's good. There are a lot of free camping spots in Florida, though. Yes. We're going to have to connect offline about this. <laughs> yes. So we, I'll okay, definitely yeah. fill you in. Mm-mm. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> I mean, I'm just kidding. There's nothing. It's no, terrible. Don't go there. Beaches, you know. Yeah. I'm actually su- like super stoked. So we have a BLM coming to Mountain West to do some, like teach some classes for us and um, Very cool. just a resource. So really excited about that because, you know, <laughs> BLM is goodness gracious. I am so, so grateful that we live in a country and have these resources, but I'm always concerned, especially lately, you know, when I'm pull up and I'm looking to camp somewhere, I'm just like, oh gosh. Mm-hmm. Like, we're not going to have this for much longer if people keep behaving this way and, and uh-huh. trashing public spaces. So mm-hmm. really excited that they're coming and it'll be nice to have them there. Hopefully help yeah. spread the good word. Yeah. And I know I was uh, the last round table I had for the day. It was with the Tread Lightly guys mm-hmm. and the Overland Expo Foundation. And I know that they've got some cool stuff in the works to kind of bridge a little more education at the at the upcoming expos. So I'm excited about that as well, and especially for kids. Yeah. So yeah, very excited cool. about that. Um, Stay the trail is also coming out and they have some really fun kids education with like remote control cars. And oh, awesome. uh, yeah, that'll be really cool. So I'm pumped to have okay. them. So yeah, we're trying, you know, it's, it's the whole, yeah, the thing we struggle with is that the people who you know attend those discussions and those roundtables are often the people who are already doing things the right way. Right. Um, and so, you know, one of the goals is to is to help educate those people how they can spread the word when they're out. Um, you know, whether it's you know how to how to approach someone who is leaving trash behind or you know not staying on the trail or whatever, and, and be able to have like a meaningful conversation that doesn't escalate into conflict. So right. We're trying, but always open to yeah. suggestions. So I know somehow we have to make a, you know, saving our public land sexy, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't yeah. know how you do that, but I, I don't know. I literally have this conversation <laughs> with Fred Lightly every year. I'm like, okay, so what's sexy? Me how do we get people? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So. Yeah. That was one of our little comments we had at that, at that round table was we, how do you, how do we make this sexy? How do we make people like, you know, want to buy in on this? <laughs> yeah. Because sometimes you pull up to a campsite, like you said, and 
the fire pits full of trash and there's random things. And you're like, come on. Yeah. You know, we went somewhere a couple weeks ago and we filled um, the group filled two bags, two 13 gallon trash bags of trash uh, where there was like seven vehicles, it was seven vehicles. I think we were camping and there was just bottles and stuff everywhere. Right next, like, yep. right next to the water. Pulled up and the first thing I was like, really? <laughs> Toilet paper, everything. Just awful. But it was clean when we left. It was good. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Well, that's good. Yeah. 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 I just wish more people would kind of jump on that bandwagon and mm -hmm. do their the part when they're out there. Yeah. 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 We've been doing some cleanups after Overland Expos in partnership with like Tread Lightly. And then they did um, one after PNW with um public land stewards of Bend, PLS Bend. Mm -hmm. And uh, I mean, they just hauled tons of trash out, like tons. And it's insane it's to look at those numbers and just like, God, how did this all get here? You know, but they were saying that the good thing is, you know, they've, I can't remember how many years they've been in action for now. I think they really kind of got going during COVID um, or like ramped things up during COVID. And uh but they were saying that they're finally getting to a point where they're looping back and hitting trails they've already cleaned up and there's less trash. So they're like, okay, at least we're making headway. Like there's significantly less trash. It's not just that people are going back out and like right. know, dumping again. They're like recognizing, okay, like it's not a dumping ground anymore. That's a good sign. So, yeah, it is. Just got to keep moving that ball down the court. So let's hope. <laughs> okay so if people want to find you on social media how can they locate you um my ticket to ride is still my instagram handle i post largely just when i travel overland so i haven't done a ton of overland travel lately um so but with the rebel coming up there will be more so um i'm excited to start posting again and actually have you know interesting life things to post and not just my paddleboard sunrises, which are still, you know, they're those are I mean, those are pretty awesome. yeah. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so I'm excited to kind of get back into it. I took a little break from social media after my last motorcycle trip and was just kind of like, this is fine. It's okay. But it's always nice to, to re-engage and um, get back in there. So yeah, at my ticket to ride. Awesome. <laughs> Hey, Arla, I see Sadie June's tail wagging back. I know. Here. She knows she's got to be in here while mommy's on the podcast, you know. She was <laughs> snoring 10 minutes ago. Now she's pacing around my legs. I'm like, here's your tail over here, and it's over here. And, <laughs> she's yeah. a trip. Traveling with pets, you know. Pets. Is she your only one? No, we've got two. Um, we got Sadie and we got Diamond. So we have like a Yara. lab, a black labs, what she looks like, and then a long-haired dachshund. Oh, are they coming to Mountain West? No. They'll stay with Daddy. Okay, fine. They'll stay home with Daddy. That's right. it. I'll find someone else's dog to love on then. <laughs> I will too, trust me, because I'll There'll be, like, be lots of dogs. So yeah, yeah, there's no I can't sleep without Sadie. It's hard. Yeah, right, can I can so with you, Misty? <laughs> She's Come on. Come on. Anyway, I just wanted to point this out right here. Yep. Our new logo. Yeah, our new logo, our, our social media. We do have some new merch going to be coming out with Ooh. a different, uh, different. Uh, we're changing things up. Is what I'm saying. Yes. 
from this to something fresh. I dig it. Yeah, Arla and I had a meeting with Jared from Shop Overland Apparel a couple weeks ago, and then Joe mm -hmm. and I just had dinner with him and Kayla last night, and we kind of laid everything out and drew some stuff for our channel and for the Lady Overlander Radio brand, and so we're we're kind of switching things up. Some right. exciting stuff yeah. coming. Super yeah. exciting. Cool. Yep. Well, I'll look forward to that so, launch. Yeah, mm -hmm. and we will see you at Mountain West. Mm-hmm. Can't wait. And it's going to be a great time. And I'm super excited. Too. Me too. Thank you guys so much. I'm really excited about you both being there and, and everything you're going to teach and, and uh, share. It'll be awesome to have that space anchored by you guys. And just creating that sense of community for women at the event is so, so important. And we're, we're glad to be a part of the team. Thanks. Oh yeah. And we had a, we had a good turnout at um, Pacific Northwest and a lot of people were very it. engaged. Yeah. It was a lot yeah. of fun. It was awesome. so I'm, I'm very excited. Well, thank you everyone so much for watching tonight and you'll be able to catch this um, podcast tomorrow on uh, Spotify, Apple podcasts and all the other major podcast flat woo, platforms. I need, I need it's, time, it's time for night night. I'm having a long day. <laughs> oh, sorry. Everyone have a great night. Good night. Thanks so much for the chat, ladies. Bye. <laughs> Bye.